Hi, everyone. I'm Chris Lean. Welcome to Industry Corner, a podcast where I discuss postal industry news to help you stay informed. On today's podcast, I recap the November MTAC meetings, the Board of Governors meeting on November 10th, and the USPS market competitive pricing for 2022 that, if approved by the PRC, would go into effect on January 9th, 2022. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. The Postmaster General's Mailers Technical Advisory Committee held its meetings on November 2nd and 3rd, and due to COVID, it was a remote meeting with MTAC members and industry stakeholders attending. And while I appreciate being able to attend the MTAC meetings remotely, I sure do wish it had been in person as it would have been very nice to thank Wanda Senny for her service on the MTAC Executive Committee these past six years and to congratulate Sharon Harrison from AT&T on her retirement. Wanda has done an excellent job as an MTAC representative for many years, serving two years as the industry vice chair, two years as the industry chair, and two more years as the immediate past chair. She now transitions to the MTAC ex-officio members where we welcome her continued dedication to MTAC and the industry. Sharon Harrison has done so much for this industry with regards to address quality and first-class mail. I would need far more time than a podcast to touch on even just the highlights. Her professionalism, dedication to improving the value of mail, and her commitment to representing the interests of first-class mailers has been exemplary. I had the pleasure of serving with Sharon and MTAC leadership, and she always put the interests of the industry first with a level of professionalism that really sets a standard for others to follow. So thank you, Sharon, for your many years of dedication to MTAC, and I know I am among many that are wishing you a well-deserved retirement. And speaking of congratulations, I would like to congratulate all the new MTAC industry focus area leaders that were recently elected at the November meeting. This includes Tom Glassman, leading network operations, Kurt Rupel, leading marketing mail letters, Adam Collinson, leading data, technology, and addressing, Rose Flanagan, leading entry payment and product, Don Caddy, leading packages, Eric Kistian, leading periodicals flats, Carol Cleaver, leading marketing mail flats, and David Marinelli, leading first-class mail letters. Each of these elected leaders will serve a two-year term and will represent their respective areas of the supply chain as well as the MTAC Association to which they have active membership. And finally, I do also want to thank Bob Schimmick for serving as MTAC Industry Chair these past two years. I cannot recall a more challenging time for an MTAC Industry Chair than these past two years, and Bob did an excellent job making sure MTAC provided the type of technical advisory our postal partners really need. Now, at the end of this calendar year, Bob Schimmick will transition to the Industry Immediate Past Chair, Bob Rosser will transition to the MTAC Industry Chair position, and Lisa Warman will become the MTAC Industry Vice Chair as she was elected by the MTAC membership during the June 2021 meetings. After the recognitions, PMG DeJoy provided some opening remarks, and he spoke for just about 40 minutes, and it, it pretty much was a repeat of what we heard at Postcom. The PMG is focused on the Delivering for America plan, and while appreciative of input from the mailing industry and other stakeholders, he firmly believes that immediate action is necessary to ensure a vibrant and sustainable postal service for the next 10 years and beyond. He acknowledged that there are ongoing efforts with MTAC and seemed to be supportive of it, noting that he hasn't asked for MTAC to stop providing advice. However, he will be more receptive of industry input after he is able to, these are in my words, write the ship so that it can continue a course for sustainable future. While I'm sure there are some, if not many, in the industry that disagree with the PMG's approach, I do appreciate his candid comments and his passion. Turning to the USPS Board of Governors, they held a public meeting on November 10th at USPS headquarters in L'Enfant Plaza. Now, this was the first in-person guest meeting and also included remote guests. I listened to the live hearings, and it was pretty standard and up until the end, which I'll get into in a minute. 
The PMG started off reminding everyone of the dire situation the USPS was facing without a plan to mitigate the projected $160 billion loss over the next 10 years. And he also recapped the recent GAO report, which he spoke to at the Postcom study day I discussed in a prior podcast and stated that despite the alarms raised by the GAO, nothing had been done. So PMG DeJoy and the Board of Governors set out to do something about it. And hence, the Delivering for America plan was published. Per the PMG, there are three basic tenets of the plan. One, the USPS must deliver to every address six days a week. Two, the USPS must become self-sustained. Three, the USPS must have a vision of sustainability into the foreseeable future and have a strategy to get there. Based on these tenets, the PMG said the USPS designed their 10-year plan, which included raising prices, adjusting service standards to a level that they could meet, and to make judicious investments for future sustainability. Now, I broke down this plan in more detail in a prior podcast, but the net here is that I agree the USPS needs to have a plan for future sustainability. They need to have predictability in pricing and an open and active venue for interaction with the entire supply chain upon which this mailing industry, or as I see it, an ecosystem, needs to exist. While I may not agree with everything in the plan, I do applaud the USPS and the Board of Governors for having a transparent and open dialogue as we work together to ensure a viable USPS that benefits us all. Next up was Joe Corbett, the CFO, and he presented the financials for FY 2021 and a forecast for FY 2022. The USPS ended the fiscal year with an operating revenue increase of nearly $4 billion, which is a 5.3% increase. And this is primarily due to the package volume increase due to e-commerce, primarily through you know, as a part of COVID. Despite that, the USPS still had an adjusted loss of nearly $7 billion for the fiscal year. Mr. Corbett noted that if the DFA, or as they refer to the Delivering for America plan, isn't implemented as presented, this will only get worse. A motion to pass the FY22 plan was made and seconded and passed unanimously by the Board of Governors. Now, this plan assumes a net income loss of $8.4 billion if Congress does nothing, and a net income loss of $1.2 billion if legislation is passed, which CFO Corbett, the PMG, and many in the industry still believe can be achieved despite everything currently being discussed by Congress. Projected mail volumes were also presented by CFO Corbett and reflected an overall decline of 4.8 billion pieces. This includes a 3.4% decline in first-class mail and a 3.5% decline in marketing mail, which together would reflect a little over 4 billion of the, of the total pieces that I mentioned earlier. Despite the projected volume declines, the USPS is still anticipating a 0.6% increase in revenue for fiscal year 2022 due to the price increases. After the presentations from the CFO, the Board of Governors uh, validated that the USPS is not going out of business given the investment of $8 billion in capital commitment. The USPS is a solid platform for an entire industry that will continue long into the future. The Board of Governors is committed to supporting a vibrant USPS that will continue to serve the nation and support an ecosystem of over $1 trillion and over 6 million jobs. Next up, it was Scott Bombaugh, the Chief Technology Officer for the USPS, who reviewed the latest service performance. In nearly every category, USPS showed improvement of service performance compared to the revised service levels. And I think it bears repeating that these service levels, including the, some of the future reports that are going to be coming out, are being compared to revised standards that have been lower due to a multitude of factors. And while I know that that sounds you know, somewhat negative, which it does, the reality is that the U.S. has been simply unable to attain the prior service levels that they had initially established. So yes, this is lowering the bar. And as I've noted on prior podcasts, may not be what the customer or market expects, but at least it's a baseline upon which the USPS should meet 
and exceed in order to ensure timely and predictable delivery of the mail. After these updates, the board then moved on to elections for the chair and the vice chair of the Board of Governors. And here's where things got a little bit odd. So Governor Bloom was nominated and seconded. And just before the vote was called, Governor Hajar moved to table the election. Now, he didn't say, but it's very likely that this was due to the fact that Governor Bloom's current term would expire on December 8th, and he has not yet been reappointed by President Biden and confirmed by the Senate. So he's got less than a month left of his current term and yet was being you know, prepared to be elected, re-elected as, as the chairman. After a brief consultation with legal, it was determined that Hajar's motion could not proceed, uh, which also entered a whole conversation between Governor Stroman and, and, uh, and others. I said, well, why not? Why can't we, uh, we table this? And, um, and it was just decided, no, it's, it's, it's out of order. We're going to move forward with the vote. And so that's exactly what they did. Governor Bloom was reelected uh, as the chair with several governors voting no. And you could clearly hear from voices uh, that it was Governor Hajar, Governor uh, Stroman, and I, and I believe Mick Reynolds. It was hard to tell because uh, her voice was a little bit softer, but certainly there were at least two that said no. Um, and then Governor Martinez was reelected as vice chair, and that also resulted in several uh, governors voting no. And again, it sounded like um, Governor Stroman's voice was the one that said no on both of those. Uh, but like I say, I think it's I think it has more to do with just the fact that uh, December eighth is is you know less than a month away. So we'll have to see. It could be very interesting here on, on what's going to happen. Then finally, I do want to note that on November 12th, the D.C. District Court of Appeals unfortunately denied the mailing industry's appeal to overrule the PRC decision to expand USPS pricing authority beyond CPIU. This means that the USPS will be able to proceed with future market-dominant price increases based initially on CPIU pursuant to Title 39, but will also now have these additional pricing adders that I spoke about in a prior podcast. So thus, the industry should expect a price increase in June of 2022 that will be somewhere, right now, we're, we, we believe somewhere between 6 and 7% based on the current rate of inflation and the forecasted adders. So now I just want to kind of help you understand what the next 14 months are going to look like now that this, is, this uh, appeal has been denied. Because this, this means that these pricing adjustments and the, and the cadence are, are all permissible. And so what we're going to see is January 9th of next year, so you know, less than three months away, January 9th of next year, there's going to be a market competitive increase. Then July of next year, a market dominant increase with a range of 6 to 7%, as I mentioned before. October of next year, the package surcharges roll on. December, then they roll off. And then January of 2023, then we'll have our next market competitive and market dominant price increases. So you're going to see these five different price changes with, with prices going on, going up, rolling on, rolling off. All of this perpetual update is going to be happening. So it's going to be a very interesting cadence, which is why you need to make sure that you're continually working with your software providers, staying on top of what's happening with things. And speaking of price increases, the market competitive prices will go up on January 9th, as I mentioned before, pending PRC approval. That was filed recently as well. So this includes an increase in the price of a small flat rate box to $9.45. The medium flat rate box would now increase to $16.10. The large flat rate box would go down and would decrease to $21.50. And the price of the APO-FPO large flat rate box would decrease to $20. Regular flat rate envelopes, legal flat rate envelopes, and padded flat rate envelopes would increase to $8.95, $9.25, and $9.65 respectively. Per the USPS notification, these price increases would contribute to $40 billion of investments in people, technology, and infrastructure over the next 10 years, 
to modernize and improve the Postal Service's operations and customer experience. Folks, I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about mail tracking or how to better automate your mailing workflows, please visit us at bccsoftware.com or give us a call. As always, we'd like to know, how can we help? Thank you for listening to the podcast and have a great day.